The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good Wednesday morning and welcome to another hump day edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJX-FM, with yours truly, Neville James. It is an absolutely lovely day here in paradise. Uh, Right off the bat, um, before I bring in my boys to do some um, political analysis in segment one, and then we got WAPA coming on uh, at uh, 8.20, definitely want to uh, send out remembrances for uh, December 7, 1941, when uh, Pearl Harbor was uh, unexpectedly, there we go, there we go, absolutely perfect now, uh, um, you know, bombed by the Japanese and actually got them, uh, brought the America, uh, brought America into World War II. Of course, you know what we ha- we know what happened in 1945, uh, what, all, what happened in the interim at Normandy Beach, but um, December 7, 1941, 81 years ago. Wow. You know, so all of those who um, suffered losses uh, as a result of uh, that uh, kamikaze uh, mission there that, uh, you know, devastated America um, and the island of uh, Hawaii before it became a state, 18 years before it became a state. You know, we definitely want them. The, those know. Um, and those, just anybody who's been in the armed services since then that uh, uh, we remember December 7th. So check this out. Uh, we got WAPA coming on at uh, 8.20. Nine o'clock. We got the uh, a great conversation coming up. Caribbean genealogy. Um, hold on, there. I want to make sure I get this right. Mm, they're gonna be joining us at nine a.m. Yeah, Caribbean genealogy. She's gonna be joining us. Sophia Abin, uh, the president, and Miss Melissa Fredericks, former educator and host of an upcoming workshop. They're gonna be joining us um, um, at nine o'clock. So we're gonna be talking genealogy. Uh, you know, number two. But in the meantime and in between time, I got two of my favorites. We're going to do a little uh, abbreviated Bush T segment. Um, can we analyze what took place yesterday and the implications of the Raphael Warnock victory over Herschel Walker in the U.S. Senate race, where once again the state of Georgia was the epicenter of U.S. politics, like it was back on January 5th, 2021, with a runoff election where Warnock, Senator Warnock, and Senator John, Offos, John Ossoff were elected to the U.S. Senate. I got Dwayne Henry joining me. Uh, Attorney Dwayne Henry, good morning. Counselor, how are you? Good morning, Senator. I'm doing well. Good. good. And we also got someone who actually spends some time in Georgia throughout the year, the one and only Armando Rocky Laybud from St. John. Good morning, Mr. Ranking Member. How are you? Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Attorney. And good morning, Senator. Okay, good. Dwayne Henry, implications of uh, yesterday's um, Warnock victory that actually took the U.S. Senate, took the Democratic presence in the U.S. Senate from 50 to 51. Now, people might think, well, they already had control because if there was a tiebreaker, the vice president is the tiebreaker. But that one, that one, uh, that uptick from 1 to 50 to 51 is huge. It, it, it's very huge. Um, good morning, everyone. Before I begin, let me just um, say that... Um, I'm recognizing Pearl Harbor, and I remember uh, when this happened, um, the illustrious Winston Churchill says they have awoken the sleeping giant. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you went out but, there, um, yeah. It's a beautiful day in Savannah, Georgia, um, hometown of, um, of, um, of, of parts of Warnock, Senator Warnock. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a 79 degree um, today, so they're going to be nice. So it's a beautiful day. But the biggest implication of this election of, of, of the, in the Senate is not the final count so much, you know. It's the committee assignment. Yes. You no longer have to be 50-50. Correct. Now it, all the committees are going to be majority Democrats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the people feel we're right in the 50-50. Remember, the, the, um, the, the vice president doesn't break ties in committees. She breaks ties on the floor. Correct. So they were able to tie up a lot of stuff by not letting them come out of committee. No, no, and when you have a... You, 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 judicial nominations, too. So now when you have a committee... Uh, a committee um, that may have uh, twelve members, they're gonna be seven five instead of instead of six six. Uh, yes, that exactly. that that's that's important without a doubt. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky, as someone who's uh, lived lived in Georgia, here's the question I want to ask you: What shade of purple is Georgia? Because <laughs> it is not a blue state, and I'm gonna tell the people why it's not a blue state. In this in November. We had the governor seeking re-election, and he beat Stacey Abrams by 300,000 votes, right? Yeah. So if, in fact, the state was blue, that would not have happened, right? So clearly it's purple because the two highest-profile elections, one went Democrat and one went uh, Republican. So I want to know, is it violet, is it lilac, or is it orchid? That's what I want to ask you. Since you since you just spent time in Georgia, what shade of purple is uh, Georgia, in your estimation? I, can't the right shade. I don't know. I can't be the right one. But, but okay, okay. Let me break it. Let me break it down for you. Violet is a darker shade, right? Lilac is a, a moderate in between, and orchid is a lighter shade of purple. Which one do you think that is? It's more a moderate. I don't think it's a lighter one. Okay, so it's a lilac then. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. But listen, that that victory is probably the most resounding victory in in in, in our historical time. This will happen last night because you know it it makes a lot of people uncomfortable now, particularly members of the same Democratic Party, but it makes some people happy because Manson and them. No, they can't check. This is the real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. They, right now, the, the president of the United States should feel good. You know why? Because these obstacles, these obstructionists, that they are, these are one main one. You could do it all them and get your stuff back. You see, you could do it all them and get your stuff back. And to me, that sends the right message to, to the people. I think... I think Georgia is setting a trend. They're speaking on behalf of the people by this vote. Now, I, I got to admit, though, that it's really kind of crazy that with all the things that Horschel Walker being involved with, guy is saying nothing, but he runs so close. So it means that these people stupid to whatever load is the guy. He doesn't care. They don't care what it is or who it is. As long as they get a body, and a body to do what they want to do, at all the time, and that's the problem I have with that because I can understand if uh, this man who had some real energetic and initiative that he's going for, he wants to cover anything. He, all he did was 
those guys to call in and and I think uh, my colleague Mitch was correct. The quality of uh, our candidates now has has gone down in the drain. In other words, they have diminished. But you know, um, Tony Henry and I spoke about this. I'll go back to Tony Henry. Um, oh. The 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 support, right, of uh, of uh, a Herschel Walker to even be a candidate was, in effect, uh, subliminally, subliminally racist, Dwayne Henry. Um, exactly. Be, be, because it, it appears that Herschel Walker became attractive because Ra Ra Raphael Warnock is a man of color, right? And, 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 uh, and, and Donald Trump saw this, and he was the one who actually said, run, Herschel, run. And the next yeah. thing you know, um, he became a candidate, and, and he got exposed, Dwayne Henry, and then Rocky, uh -huh. because yeah. he clearly was yeah. not was not fit uh, to articulate the issues on a public stage, a national stage, like what not a U.S. Senate seat requires, in particular the state of Georgia, which for two elections running has been the epicenter of Senate elections, uh, U.S. Senate elections in America. Absolutely. The horrible candidate that goes to the small-mindedness and the narrow vision of the former president. In that, okay, there's a black man running, we just put up a black person to run against him. Mm -hmm. Really? And just any black person? Mm -hmm. That's insane. You know, there's a lot of intelligent conservative blacks in Georgia that could have ran and won. Like they said, a bag of rocks with R would have won. But they ran this guy, you know? And, no. um, it, and, and, it, and it shows, as a matter of fact, I wanted to do a quick analysis. I was looking at the county by county. And when you look, of course, he won big in um, Columbus and Savannah, Augusta, and um, Atlanta, the big metro areas. Yeah. But you look down in the southeast there, Glen St. Mary, the Navy base, it was far. But to the western counties, um, Bainbridge, Valdosta, them areas, had, you know, about the, um, the border with the Florida Panhandle, I-10 mm -hmm. corridor. The margins are very close. The, my, uh, well, I don't know if they were very close, but they were much closer than they've normally right. been in the past. There's some 65, 40. Yeah, some yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, I want both of you to know, I, I just got a text from one of, one of my listeners. They said, good morning, Senator. Today is a prime example of being smarter after listening to analyze this. I just learned how having a majority impacts committee structure in the Senate. <laughs> Thanks for your show. So thank you very much, Dwayne Henry and, and Rocky Laybot. I mean, because, you know, uh, are, you, are you good good for ratings? Check out this one, Rocky. Uh, you, 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 because you mentioned Biden, right? Here is what Joe Biden did. Sleepy Joe, all the name they call he, right? Joe Biden is the first president since Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1934, not to lose a Senate seat in a, a midterm election. Could you imagine that, Rocky? This is, this is 2022, 88 years. And Joe Biden bucked a trend that been going on for donkey years, as we just said locally in the Virgin Islands. That is impressive. Yes, yes, I think I mentioned to you guys a long time ago, that while we look at Joe Biden as Stevie Joe, whatever you want to call him, one of these days history going to show you they're going to treat him right. He's going to be one of the all-time best, and, and and not in a very um, forceful way, but diplomatic way. It, it, the fact that he has that much experience in in dealing with government, it allows him to maneuver through the waters of controversy. 
And I, I believe that all of this, even though we have to pay attention to what happens, because it's not all that good, because there's no way in the world one should, should be getting that kind of a, a support, and other ways you should be getting bigger support, a larger support. So there's a question about that, that a, a walker could come in and run him so close. So it, it means that there's some things we have to go back to the drawing board to address. But the reality is, like Dwayne said, part of it was that the, the people wanted, uh, it was racial. They, they know that they couldn't put up a white candidate against him. So you have to pick one of your own. Well, well to me, well, I, I disagree. They, they should have put up the best candidate to win back the seat. And to me, they panicked believing because uh, Georgia is trending from red to blue, uh, to, through purple to potentially blue, they, they, they figured we got to fight, we got to fight fire with fire. And in the end, they made a strategic error out of this world because the candidate that they put up clearly wasn't ready for the stage that the U.S. Senate calls for candidates to stand up on and speak to the issues. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, very, very honest with you, uh, Rocky and Dwayne Henry. Herschel Walker embarrassed people of color during the, during the U.S. Senate campaign. Plain, plain and simple. It was embarrassing to see he not even tried to get better during the process. You know how, you know how sometimes somebody may come in um, unrefined, rough on the edges, and as time goes on, you're starting to see the improvement. That never happened with Herschel Walker. Do it had worse. <laughs> Imagine that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> That, 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 and, and then and then during a during a, a a debate coming with a fake badge and all that stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, I mean with all this, but let, no. Let me ask. Let, let me ask this question now. And we got three minutes left for this discussion. How bad of a loss is this for Donald Trump? Because it's a loss. You know that about it, right? Uh, uh, is is it a, a small loss, a solid loss, or a gargantuan loss? Dwayne Henry Foss, then Rocky. Gargantuan. Wow. Wow. His credibility is shot. You got Mitch McConnell and him coming after us. Mitch McConnell was terrified of Donald Trump two months ago. No, no, he just big. Yeah. Wow. He finally found the cojones. <laughs> Rocky, you're the ranking member. You're the one that always uh, keeps us keeps us moderated, keeps us tempered. How big a loss? Small, solid, or gargantuan? I agree, Dwayne, because it's so big because his one of his arch rivals, uh, DeSantis, is now saying, you see what I told you? You got to change. Right. You can't have the same guy around no more. And so his credibility is, you know, you, you know when the world starts to crumble and all the, 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 the pieces start to be dropping down and out? That's what happened in there now. You know, no, 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 gentlemen. Um, as uh, both of all three of us have been in the political arena at, at different levels, isn't this another classic example of if you're lacking substance and and your your presence in an arena, a political arena, is more cosmetic? Don't don't you think at some point uh, and much more quicker than when you when, when you're about substance is going to shatter? And that's what's happening with Donald Trump right now. He's more of a brand than he is substantive. The Dwayne yeah, and then Rocky? Correct analysis. I totally agree with that. He's always been a brand. He's never been a subset, you know. And we live in this celebrity-worshipping society, apparently, and that's the crap that's going on. Rocky, yeah, yeah. is this now just another classic uh, example of 
um, you could fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Exactly. And there's some people who go good at saying things that, you know, nobody have a chance to bet at this for the moment. But when you got to sit down and you have time to, to, to really access what has been said and how it's done, it's a different ballgame. Different ballgame, and that's what's happening now. So, Rocky, I'm going to ask you again or no? Violet, lilac, or orchid? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we, we can't go all the way. We got to stay at that middle ground now because I still believe that Warnock's have done a little bit better than what he did. It means then that something is, the, 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 the equation is not totally set yet. But he had enough to beat this candidate. But to me, it's not enough to call it a blue state. One more thing, um, Dwayne Henry, with respect to what Rocky said about Joe Manchin, keep in mind it was Joe Manchin that helped Biden come come cross the line in the summertime with that climate change bill that included mm-hmm. appropriations and all that stuff. So he ain't all bad. Right, mm-hmm. but but as one of my call up, one of my uh, listeners just said, Manchin is only answerable to West Virginia. They went 73 percent for Trump. Manchin is a gift to the Democratic mm-hmm. Party, and they are right in that regard as it relates to organizing and representation. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, cinema, cinema working on immigration legislation with Tom Tillis in North Carolina. So it looked like she see the light from the last election, for the general election. So be careful, you know. Yeah. Yes. You're going to see a lot of people crossing the aisle. Yeah, yeah. Well, bipartisanship. And to me, and this is something I want to have to think about till I bring it out again, maybe tomorrow in the second hour, because I know we're going to have to hear now, they might need to look at Lisa Murkowski in Alaska to see if she could help come to the middle and provide some, um, buttress some more support for them because um, the reality is Trump and the deep right wanted to kill her and she survived. So I think they need to look yeah. at that from a political standpoint. Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen, thank you very much. Great, great analysis to start the show. And um, yes. listen out now as we talk with um, um, the CEO for WAPA. We'll be back after this. We'll be at, we'll be back after this break, everybody. Great start. All right. Okay, thanks. You got it. We'll be back right after this. If you graduated from high school in the U.S. Virgin Islands, don't be stuck with college debt. Create your future for free with Free Tuition Plus at UVI. With Free Tuition Plus, your tuition is covered. Plus, you can use additional financial aid to pay for room and board and other expenses. At the University of the Virgin Islands, you'll receive a world-class education with opportunities to study abroad and gain hands-on experience. Choose from 99 majors, minors, and certificates on campus and online. Visit www.uvi.edu and apply today. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news designed for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. 
That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. What is the secret to happiness? That's a really good question. And how can we live a more meaningful existence? Here's the secret, I think, of life. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's get right to it. Join us. Saturdays at 4 p.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. And we are back here and analyze this, and I definitely want to thank my good friend Dwayne Henry um, and uh, Rocky Laywood um, for the early, the early, uh, the early, the the, the early um, <clears throat> start this morning um, as we analyze what was a a, a huge uh, political experience that took place yesterday uh, in the state of Georgia, in particular when. Um, you look at uh, the fact that the House is now going to be controlled by the Republicans, and we had a insider in the delegate, Stacey Plaskett, um, and, and critical committees. That is no longer going to be the case. Well, you know, we don't know for sure, but the likelihood that she will have the kind of uh, clout that she had in, in this Congress um, um, continuing uh, in the next Congress is very, very low. But having said that, you know, we still got some control or uh, uh, well, some access. We don't have any control, some access on the Democratic side. And we'll see what takes place because Joe Biden is definitely a friend of the U.S. Virgin Islands. So now we're going to shift to uh, some WAPA runners. And today we're going to talk about some projects that um, the Water and Power Authority um, wants to, um, you know, update um, the ratepayers and the audience. On, and I got uh, the WAPA governing board. Uh, Chairman, Energy Office Director, Kyle Fleming, joining me in studio this morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Neva. How are you doing? Good morning, uh, Virgin Islands people as well. I'm good. And um, we should have the WAPA CEO uh, on, 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 on the line as well. Good morning, Mr. CEO Smith. How are you doing? CEO Smith, you there? Maybe we need to um, unmute to see if we can unmute our... Uh, uh, his 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 uh his link uh, via air link. Okay, but in the meantime, let's work on that. Uh, we got the uh, um, chairman of the board here joining us this morning. What's up? Not much, not much. Uh, happy holidays. Yeah, man. Igual. I know we're, we're right in the the midst of it. It's it's come quickly uh, to no surprise, and it's moving fast as well. So cool in the morning, no though. Seven, <laughs> seventy five degrees driving in this morning. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine me saying seventy five degrees is cool, but. Uh, when you cost them to 85 and 90, that's a significant drop. No, I felt, I, I felt that breeze this morning yeah, when, I, when I got up, and yeah, I was like, man. okay. I like, I like it like this. I love it like this. Uh, it, it, it's nice. Now, um, um, before we get to uh, WAPA, anything on the energy office side you want to talk on real quick? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I think it's a good moment to kind of jump in. We just had a uh, one of our more popular program launches uh, the, week, the week right before Thanksgiving in our uh, energy efficiency and renewable energy rebate program, uh, which has been a mainstay uh, from the energy office in, where, in which we provide uh, 40% rebates to 
the uh, community for pr- pr- procurement and investment in energy efficiency uh, and some renewable energy projects uh, or or ap- uh, applications and projects as well. Um, and so that's been, you know, as I said, a big mainstay for us. A lot of people have leveraged it for uh, energy efficiency, energy efficient refrigerators, washer and dryers, uh, water heaters. We've also been doing solar hot water heaters as part of that. And so we just kicked that off. Uh, we've already started to see some applications be submitted. Uh, it's, it's a first come, first serve program. Uh, but typically we have funds for a few months, about three to f- about four to five months typically. Uh, but we always encourage people to act quickly uh, because we can't guarantee how quickly the funds will move. We had a lot of great engagement with the vendors from everyone from Home Depot to the appliance and furniture stores that have uh, the, the eligible appliances that are uh, available for this 40% rebate. And just to give people a context here, so a 40% rebate means if you purchase a, a $1,000 fridge uh, that's Energy Star certified uh, and locally here, and you purchase it locally here in the territory, uh, we would be giving you $400 back. So your $1,000 fridge now becomes a $600 fridge after the 40% rebate that we provide through the energy office. So happy to keep this program going uh, and you know, looking forward to actually in the coming year adding some more appliances, some more uh, technologies to that rebate mix because we've been trying to make sure we're speaking to the, the appetites of the Virgin Islands. Well, that's good to know that uh, the energy office continues to um, provide programs uh, to um, allow for avenues of relief for, for those who live here in the territory. C.O. Smith, are you online? Change my uh, my computer microphone. Can you hear me okay? No, no, we're good. We're good. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thanks for having me this morning. Uh, happy holidays to you as we enter the holiday season, and to Director Fleming, and to the Wapa family, and all the listeners this morning. And uh, many happy returns to you and yours. And uh, hopefully, um, as we transition from Christmas to the New Year's, um, we'll be hearing even better things with respect to the Virgin Islands Water and Power uh, Authority. Um, Speak to, to, to why you wanted to make this appearance this morning. So, so Neville, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, one of the things the Water and Power Authority has been working on since I've been here, I've been here almost a year, um, is our transparency and our communication. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been open sometimes, I think, potentially to my detriment because I'm telling people the truth. Um, and it's not always a happy truth. We have a lot of good things going on at the Water and Power Authority. Um, our new director of communications, for example, has been doing a lot of work. Uh, we have, we're currently have a poll out online about how people would like to be notified about WAPA services. And so we're looking to really you know, improve all of that. And so you know, what I really wanted to talk about today was that unfortunately there, there are negative headlines in the news a lot of times about, about the authority. But we have a lot, of, a lot of good things going on. As I reflect back on, I've been here almost a year, I wanted to highlight some of those. And one last thing I wanted to just address up front, Neville, and happy to talk about you know, everything that's going on at the authorities. There's, some, there's an article out this morning about us hosting a Christmas party at the castle in St. Croix, and it's you know, raising issues about you know, the authority going to a luxurious event, and, and, and somehow that's inappropriate, and we shouldn't be spending money on that. And you know, Neville, I, I, we can't have it both ways. I get a lot of feedback about negative employee morale. Right, from the community. Um, it's very important to me that our, our most valuable assets, our people, right, the WAPA family, are engaged and motivated to work. And so then we haven't had a Christmas party since 2020. Um, and so we host a holiday party, and now we're being criticized for it. And so, you know, that, that frustrates me, Neville, because, you know, I, I make, you know, we balance thousands of factors every day. And, you know, 
know, keeping our employees happy and engaged and, and recognizing their families and the sacrifices that the families make because we are a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week business. You know, to go have one nice event to celebrate the year and our employees and our workforce who are criticized for it, that just that makes me sad. So I just want to address that, that, you know, we're, you know, we want to do something nice for our employees and having negative headlines around that, it's just, I, that, that's frustrating to me. Well, clearly, um, you know, you got you got some enemies within. That's what's going on. And uh, that's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad that you said you can't have it both ways. Um, you want the rank and file members to be of a... I want to make sure I say this right. They want think think positively about the authority. And then when you do something to achieve that end, you'll get a problem, Mr. Chairman of the Board. You, I mean, I mean, you can't win. No, I mean, I think that's that's one of the realities. I think we've we've unfortunately have to come to accept. I mean, I I can't I can't think of many places, honestly, where um, the location of a Christmas party becomes a front page headline uh, you know, outside of the, the Virgin Islands, and that that's the reality we're living with today. But I think the 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 intent to CEO Smith's point of of trying to demonstrate, uh, you know, the appreciation creating a venue creating even just a, a dis, we call it distraction if to a certain extent because so much of the day-to-day is marred by the challenges that the authority has to face and that's you know it's i think sometimes the community feels that only the community feels those challenges those challenges are felt within as well all of the employees that are working to support and relieve those challenges and, and work within the you know, challenging condition to provide us even just a, a, a couple hours of an outlet now is being, you know, somehow even that experience is almost feels like it's already been tarnished given the fact that we're seeing this kind of viral headline circulate just because of an attempt to, to try to demonstrate some appreciation for our employees. So I better than me. But, you know, last night, you know, when I was looking at uh, the, 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 the coverage uh, for the Senate race, the runoff in Georgia, it dawned on me that uh, if you want to find out how people really feel about you, um, Take a high-profile position or run for office. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they they will never. You you would never believe the things that you would hear about you until you ascend. And then just limit it to politics. This yeah. is at, at any level, you know. And that's that's unfortunate. One of my you know, listeners don't text me already. <laughs> complaining complaining about that. Um, but I I ain't getting into that, you know, because we got bigger issues, of course, to to, to, to deal with here. And if providing a venue for the the WAPA employees who don't set the rates, right? But they're the ones that's going out there and probably taking abuse from from uh, frustrated rate payers, which the frustration is legitimate. I'm not denying that. It is legitimate because the cost of energy is too high here in, in the Virgin Islands. And if, uh, you know, you're trying to put something in place, CEO Smith, um, for something that is traditional for donkey years, decades, and now... I didn't even know of the front page story. That's the that's the part about it. Uh, so now it, it all it, it's all crystallized for me. But um, CEO Smith, you got to do what you got to do, man. That, that, that's right, Neville. And, and you, know, you raised a point about you know the, the employees don't set the rates, right? And, and so you're like with the holiday party. You know, ultimately that's my decision to support that, right? And I'll stand by that decision. And if people want to criticize, you criticize me, okay? But but don't criticize you know the Wapa family. Um, because we've done a lot of good things this year. And, uh, for example, one of the things that, that you know we talked about before is that you know Government House and the Governor have been helping WAPA. Sh- 
shield the community from, to your point, the very high cost of energy. Um, I agree with you. Our rate needs to come down. Absolutely. Um, I've talked on, on, on the, this radio show as well as other venues that our cost of production is above our regulated rate. And you know, so the GBI has been helping shield our most, our most vulnerable citizens, quite frankly, from that high cost of energy. As we've talked before, you know, gasoline is expensive, food's expensive, and we've, we've kept the WAPA rate flat. And so that, that to me has been a real benefit for the community this year because we've not passed on those higher costs. And we've done that with the support of, of Governor Bryan and Government House. Um, and, you know, I've talked on here, I think, before that if, if we were actually passing through our high cost of fuel, because prices are so high now, the average customer's bill would increase by about $70 a month. Um, and our average customer bill is about $165. And so $70 a month, when you, you know when you have limited income or you're on a fixed income, is a huge impact. So just the, the value of that to the community, to me, you know, can't, can't be stressed enough. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work on, on the Wartzilla project, water projects, um, you know, we've got FEMA approved replacement working for St. Croix for water. Uh, so I, I think we've had a really good year, and I, I feel like the authority is on a path to an even better 2023. Um, because um, it's my understanding that you're currently in, in discussions um, with our supplier and, you know, um, who's supposed to be a corporate partner, I'm going to leave them out of the conversation for today. I, but but having said that, that's for today, right? Because um, because you know there are some legitimate questions that that I believe um, you know the, we we haven't really gotten complete answers from from the authority. But I don't want to undermine you know what could be a you know a beneficial outcome for the people of the Virgin Islands with respect to the discussion that you're having with them. So I'm gonna leave that alone for today. But having said that, though, um, the recovery is still the recovery. Um, and we're not seeing um, at the kind of speed, um, you know, the infrastructure being laid down um, that'll ultimately and that we hope would, would benefit the ratepayers in our pockets. What's the deal with that, Mr. Chairman and then Mr. CEO? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that uh, we've talked to a lot from the board level uh, and, and, and with the team is that I think there's a clear understanding or reality that the a lot of the changes that happen, especially from the generation side, aren't as visible to the community because of ju- just the inherent, uh, you know, position, physical, you know, geographic position of the authority. So, in terms of the, I think one of the projects we talk a lot about is the Wardzilla project. That's a project where you know immense progress is being made on St. Thomas. However, you know, we know that it's the community is not seeing. Uh, you know the, the the generators being you know placed in the home inside the the housing or uh, the interconnections that are going to be tying it into the to the larger grid to actually be able to when it's when they're commissioned to be able to then you know demonstrate that true improvement in efficiency. These things happen within you know an industrial facility, and so we look at that as you know opportunities to while yes the community is not walking by it's not like. Uh, a road project where it's clearly very visible and in front of uh, the community when Veteran Drive is being repaved and 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 being completed, or uh, when uh, the 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 rain uh, connecting road is being um, graded and and being prepared for paving. Those are very community visible projects where the, where the community can know that there's action being taken because of our a lot of our internal in infrastructure projects, especially at the generation level, 
you know, we, we have to, uh, you know, improve kind of our communication around and, and creating visuals for something that's not on the f- in, the f- in the forefront of the community's uh, peripherals based off of how they're coming together. So I say that to say there is a lot that is happening. Uh, unfortunately, I think b- because it happens within, again, within the actual infrastructure of the the authority of the community doesn't see it. But, you know, we have plans for, for Q1 of 2023 to have those Wardzillas uh, commissioned. Uh, and that's then, you know, the, the community will feel the differences then, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the improved efficiency of the system, which lowers our our cost of fuel. But the lead up to that, you know, as we make steps along the way and uh, of actually integrating that infrastructure, I think we're, we're certainly going to be improving and with our new communications director, getting more of that information uh, to the community so they can see that the progress that's being made, despite the fact that it's not uh, as forward-facing as some of the other uh, advancements that are happening throughout the community. Mr. CEO? Uh, no, I, I, would, I would echo that, Neville, is that, you know, to, to Director Fleming's point, things that happen inside the power plants, power plant fence line, the community doesn't see. Um, you, you know, these are big assets, um, you know, it's big equipment, you know, big complicated equipment. And for example, let's talk about kind of undergrounding and composite poles. Um, we're approximately 75% done. With those with those projects, um, but all all I would argue the community sees is the street being dug up, right? Because we're undergrounding, you know, ducting to to run to run cabling and electrical wires through, um, and then they see that paved back over, and then they don't see any results of it. I mean, composite poles are a little bit more visible, right? You see them. I know a lot of people complain that they're not attractive, um, and you know, there's a balancing act there, right? It's reliability and lower cost versus you know, do we have the prettiest power poles uh, in in the world? Um, the St. John undergrounding in Cruise Bay uh, should be done by the end of this year, uh, despite us finding human remains. Uh, water projects, for example, Clifton Hill, uh, we're about 65% and on track to be completed with that in February. We got all the community sees as the streets dug up. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, I understand that the, you know, from the outside, it appears that things aren't being, being done. There's a lot of progress being advanced at the authority. And again, it, it improves reliability. It'll improve our operating costs because we have less maintenance on the newer equipment. Um, Director Fleming mentioned the Wardzilla project. Um, you know, we, we've had the advanced conversations with our solar developers. Hold, 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 hold on a second. Hold, hold, hold on a second right there. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll pick up the discussion uh, with where we are with respect to the, the Wardzilla projects. We have um, WAPA CEO Andrew Smith joining us this morning along with uh, the governing, the chairman of the WAPA Authority Governing Board, Mr. Kyle Fleming, and his office director. We'll be back right after this. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com It's that time of the year when it's nice to connect with each other. WTJX has been here for you all year round, but we need your support. Show your gratitude for WTJX and give today by calling 844-737-9842 or by heading to WTJX.org forward slash donate. Thank you from WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. 
On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big <laughs> cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious, daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Catch 1A at its new time, weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM And we've got now uh, the WAPA leadership joining us. Uh, and then at the top of the hour, Caribbean genealogy will be joining us uh, to talk about, uh, you know, our, our lineage as a people. Looking forward to that discussion as well. Um, CEO Smith, you were talking about our, our relationship with Wartzilla. Uh, what's the deal um, with, with the infrastructure? And uh, when will that be fully, excuse me, uh, fully installed and hopefully to the benefit of the people of the territory? Those, those generators are already in, in the generator house. Uh, we have three of them that are already in operation that were from a previous project. We've got four more in place. Um, all of the critical equipment is in the territory. Uh, those generators are scheduled to go online in March. Um, we were pushing hard to get to January. Uh, it looks like January may not happen, but we're, you know it's possible that it's before March. But certainly March looks like a very uh, achievable outcome. The, the critical thing with the Wartzillas, as we think about them, is two factors. One, um, at current fuel prices, because they'll operate on propane, uh, they'll save us uh, about three and a half million dollars a year, in, or, I'm sorry, a month in fuel costs. So it's about 25% of our annual fuel costs that we'll save by having the Wartzillas online. So, 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 so you're saying, you're, based on what you're saying, if the, our our fuel bill is uh, $180 million. You're saying that this is going to save us $45 million? Yeah, that is absolutely right. It's 40, $42 million a year. That's right. It's about 25%. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Because, yeah, uh, be, no, no, be I, I'm going to. Okay, that's yeah. what that, that's what we do here. So, that's you right. know, so the public, uh, so so we won't see the full 25 the, 25 percent um, reduction on the entire bill, but um, there should be when you factor in everything, at least a 20% reduction on the bill for the ratepayers. Well, now let's let's be clear about that, Neville. And I've talked about this, you know, multiple times before. Our cost of producing electricity is higher than what's in our rates today mm-hmm. because of high commodity prices. Yeah. So I, I always characterize it as I'm underwater and I got to swim to the surface, and then I can then I can start to to make headway on that. The Wartzillas get us really close to the surface. Um, they are a very impactful project for us. Uh, and then you know, and then, and then we got a lot of other things that we're working on that, that will will get us to where we can work 
on the rate because rates need to come down. That, that absolutely need to. Um, and so we've got to you know, get our costs under control, and then, and then we can make progress on, on that. The but other but, but is, I'll, I'll just, not, not to interrupt CEO Smith, but just just to kind of echo one point there, uh, you know, in terms of the the, the, the if cost improvements that are realized by the uh, more efficient genera- generation, I think really speaks to uh, the legacy generation that we currently have, not just in St. Thomas, but the same, we're still, we're plagued by that same challenge on St. Croix. And so in terms of when we look at the, 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 the most impactful uh, projects or focus centers for us, uh, improving the efficiency of the generation on both islands really are the things that translate to the, the most rapid uh, savings potential which only further compounds the benefit that we can, you know, get to a point of hopefully uh, of, of being able to pass on to the community as well. So, uh, I, you know, I know there, there's there's two com- headlines I've seen this morning relative to WAPA. One, you know, about the the Christmas party, but the other, which I'm hoping carries as much, if not more, traction with the, without within the community, is uh, the HFA moving along the approvals for the generation uh, for a generation uh, conversion on Saint Croix as well. Again, those are the projects that have the most meaningful impact to the people of the Virgin Islands because they, they address one of the bigger challenges to our, our, our cost driver, which is our high cost of fuel due to not just the high commodity pricing, but also the legacy inefficient generation. So getting those out of the mix, getting those older generators, more, um, more inefficient generators out of the mix and, repla- and replacing those with these more efficient generators, those are the type of focus factors that if we once we dial into that's the, the, the fastest turnaround to impacts to the community. And that's why there's such a high priority being placed on that from the, the management team, from the board, uh, from the authority as a whole, because, you know, small habit changes aren't going to lead to the, the results that we need. We, we need a, a massive overhaul in the base of our operation, which is the generation, the electrical generation. And so that's why we're hyper-focused on addressing those efficiency needs. So that way, again, those big 25% chunks of, of cost can be addressed on, on, in other areas, not just on the, the Wardzilla project in St. Thomas. What about the Agreco on St. Croix? CEO Smith. So, so the Agrecos on St. Croix are, are our most efficient generation on St. Croix. Um, what, what's not ideal about them is that we lease them. And it costs us about $800,000 a month to lease those generators. Um, we, we'd much rather own generators. And that's exactly what Director Fleming is talking about, is that we are, we are pursuing HUD funding uh, for getting new generation on, on St. Croix. And there are two things that that new generation will do. One is improve the efficiency, as Director Fleming talked about. The other thing is that that generation can also allow us to not have to lease the, the generators from Agreco. And as we talk about the rates, roughly $500,000 a month is about a penny in rate. So $800,000 of a Greco cost that I could get rid of, ideally, that saves me almost a penny and a half in rates. Right? So it's all of these things that help get our structural costs down to, to improve the authority's financial position. No, no, you, you, um, you, you mentioned seeking HUD funding. That money's a bit, already been appropriated. There's a tranche um, um, that was appropriated specifically for electricity. So what do you mean you're seeking it? That's 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 yours to get. Shouldn't you should sh- shouldn't you be of the mentality that um, once we've done everything we've had to do from an administrative perspective, that we should have access to that money? Yes, I would argue that we should. 
Um, and so that those requests are in process that have been in process, and we're continuing to advance. But but that's too long because they've 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 been they've appropriated multiple tranches, in particular this tranche is either fifty two or seventy two million dollars um, for electricity. So so what's the deal? What what is it about um, recovery monies through FEMA? Um, under the auspices, under the stewardship of HUD, with the the, um, the housing finance authority, um, that it takes so long um, for monies to get where they should go, so that people can feel the relief. What's up with that? You know, and, and, and Neville, I, it, I, it just things just move slow. I, I wish I had a I wish I had a more insightful answer for you. Um, you know, if, well, if well, I well, you know what, you know what, hold on a second. You, you just got here. Let, let me apply the pressure. Uh, to the to energy office director because he's been with the administration since early 2019. Why this thing to take so long and with everything that got to go through FEMA for, for our money? This is our money, man. Well, I think you, you said it. You, you said it actually in the question, which was the administrative process. I think I think we can't under we can't understate how cumbersome that process has become, and especially because we have multiple sometimes multiple agencies that have also get involved with these administrative process when no, it comes no, down no, to. Mr. Energy office director, I gonna be very. You can't have it both ways. And, you know, I can be very honest with you. We had the, the HUD secretary here in, 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 in April, March into April, raking the administration, the governor over the coals. So I think she was talking about the nonprofit monies at the time. But she was speaking in general respect to expenditures of monies that have been made, that have been made available for the Virgin Islands. FEMA and the federal government can't have it both ways, right? The money is for the Virgin Islands. Why aren't they doing what they can do to expedite and facilitate the process so that these monies that could that are slated for infrastructure enhancement to provide relief for the people of the Virgin Islands, why are we why are we being held hostage with this administrative, you know, you know, rhetoric and I don't want me blaming you, this excuse no. that they that, that and, and and all of the obstacles they put in place to undermine forward movement. I don't get it. Well, I, th I think there, there's aspects of it that, um, you know, one, they want to make sure ensuring due diligence, which there's no, there, I, I cannot, there's no challenge to, to due diligence, right? It's a very important aspect of making sure we're making the most sound decision around any any investment that we make. Uh, but for example, if we talk to the, the, um, the, the Generation Project on St. Croix, for example, Yes, they, they identified an electric grid uh, tranche uh, funding, a specific uh, uh, resource for the for the territory. However, that you know, the, the access to those funds, this isn't a blank check that was provided, uh, and we just directed this is first with the money while might might be appropriated. There's still an action plan that needs to be developed. There's still a, a, a community engagement that needs to be conducted so that way the community knows what the projects or at least the general scope of the projects would be. There are all these steps, these guidelines that come. And this is no different from from the energy office standpoint. We, we're getting a significant number of funds from the Department of Energy uh, for, for example, our state energy program. There's a long list of, of guidelines that have to be met in order for us to actually have any access to, uh, you know, the funding that they've identified for the territory. So, I mean, this is, it's pretty, it's, it's standard. I, I agree with you that the timing still, you know, doesn't sit well with this, anyone. This is the end of, this is December, 2022. I mean, that, if, if I were to break it down in months, that's a lot of months. If I were to break it down in days, I mean, weeks, I mean, you have to multiply that by, by, by another by 52. And then don't let me use days. This is, this, this is over a thousand days now, B. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how much longer? 
Well, this, this going. This, 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 are we going to have to hear what's going on? Because, and this is Republicans who do this, you know. I can. I, one thing about me, I ain't coming here to mis, mislead the public. You had a Republican administration. I ain't no Trump fan, but the Trump administration and a U.S. Senate led by um, uh, Mitch McConnell in 2018, and I believe Paul Ryan. I believe it was a it was a U.S. the House was under Republican control as well when this appropriation was was passed in February of 2018. A monstrous bill. I've I've gone through it. You got sorts of sections I didn't even get to read because it's so thick. And this money was made available Texas, Hurricane Harvey, and 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 uh, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands because of Irma and Maria. That's February 2018, Director. Today is December 2022. Oh gosh, man! Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's fifty-eight months. I'm doing the math in my head. Yeah, that's that's a long time, my brother. Yeah, but I, 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 one of the things I think is also important though to realize is that because of you know the the challenges that we're like, for example, the challenges that we're facing right now do assist in elevating these conversations, especially at the federal level, for us to you know better understand how rapid mobilization can be enabled. You know, it's because this isn't, you know, now what we're talking about from a perspective of these are hopeful, these are pie in the sky, these are, um, you know, incremental improvements. You know, we're having much more direct conversations with the federal partners, not just the, um, you know, the local representatives or, or administrators for these projects. We're, we're speaking more directly with the actual uh, gatekeepers for these resources at the federal level and they're understanding the critical nature of what's transpiring here in the territory. And and that th this is in hopes of assisting in that funding mobilization, so that we're not as bogged down by the administrative processes. They're there. They're, there's something that we're not, never going to be able to avoid because there's a checks and balances that has to come. I mean, they're just not going to send resources without any level of, of of kind of accounting in place. So you know, we're certainly making sure that that due diligence is being uh, whatever due diligence is needed is being uh, sufficed. But again, the being the the critical nature of what's happening in the territory now is certainly improving the conversation with the federal partners to ensure uh, the mobilization is as expedient as possible. All these bandwagoners who are running behind the governor, right? Looking for what they're looking for and then going around bragging about how they helped the governor win the election all this type of thing. They ain't solving no purpose for the people. And that, that that's just a, a rhetorical thing. They have to do what you want. I gonna say it on this this medium. You know, all they care about is itself. I, I sorry. You know, they, 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 they claim to have all these answers that they don't deliver. You know, they want this, they want that. And they ain't even knowledgeable of what we've been dealing with here. You know, check. But that's for another discussion for another day. Mr. Mr. Uh, CEO, um, the base rate, uh, how we could fix that, man? So, so Neville, great question on, on, on the base rate. I just want to echo one other thing that Director Fleming said. For example, I joined the governor uh, in Washington, D.C. to meet with HUD. Uh, last week. So we're definitely carrying that, that message. And you know, it's critical to me. I mentioned GBI support to, to shield the community from the high cost of energy. You know, one of my top one or two priorities is to get us to a position where we don't need external support from, from the GBI. And the generators are, are a, key, a key point of that. So, and I'm sorry, I digress. I ask your question again, Neville. <laughs> no, the base rate, um, you know. Um, yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Um, so, so the base rate, uh, so the first thing that we've done is we set a budget this year that operates at our base rate, right? And historically, that was generally not done. Um, so, so first off, we're starting in the right place. 
Then as we think about dealing with the base rate, I mentioned the, the lease units for Agreco. Um, getting out of that lease reduces, that's a base rate cost. It's not a fuel cost. That, that cuts our co operating cost. Um, earlier this year, um, we, we were leasing a, a generator from General Electric. We were paying about $700,000 a month for that lease. We got out of that lease um, with support from the GBI. We bought that generator. Um, and so that's not a cost we have to have in, in base rates. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at all of our costs, um, everything from the smallest item up to, to the largest item, and making good financial decisions, right? Because some people say, well, don't spend money. Well, spending money in and of itself is not bad, right? Um, if my roof leaks in my house, and that roof leak's going to damage my furniture and ruin my appliances, but I got to spend $500 to fix the roof, well, that's 500 bucks that's well spent because I don't damage all my other stuff, right? And so we're making those types of decisions where um, we're directing dollars to good purposes. The other thing that we do is we pursue as much uh, federal external support as we can. Uh, we've gotten you know grants to, to we, we have the new bucket trucks are in the territory. Uh, our teams are being trained on them as we speak. Uh, we, we, a couple of months ago, got another grant that will allow us to buy at least another three bucket trucks. No, no, uh, Mr. Mr. Chairman, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, let, let me stop you right there. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going go to to go to a break, get us to the top of the hour. Um, I'll, when we come back, we'll wrap up this conversation and then we'll start the conversation with our, our guests in the nine o'clock hour. But I want to make sure I excuse you properly. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. 